Some say Lambeau Field wasn't even created by man. It was naturally formed. I will say it may be hard to be a Falcons fan, but it's really easy to root against them. This is why people need to tune into your show. That is breaking news to me. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Justin Wright. Hello, everyone. How's it going, Justin? Pretty good. I was tired today after school. I, As I was telling you before the podcast, I just woke up from a nice little cat nap. Yes, yeah, so... <clears throat> Excuse me. Theoretically, Justin should be charged and good to go. Yeah, I got the batteries all ready for the podcast. <laughs> and that's good because we don't have a guest this week, so the two of us are going to have to do 100% of the talking. We're so sorry. Yeah, we are sorry, everybody. We know how much you've enjoyed our guests. But, uh, Justin, before we begin, is there any shout-outs you want to give this week in the world of sports? Hmm. None that I can think of right now. Um, none that I don't want to talk about later, I should say. So I'm going to hold on to them. Fair enough. Um, I have two. Two legends I want to give shout outs to. First off, I want to give a shout out to my co-host, Justin Wright, because he just finished up his junior high football season and they went 4-0. I don't know many coaches out there that are undefeated <laughs> in their whole career. Yeah. Never lost a, a football game in my life. <laughs> that is true and he can say that up until next fall at least yeah and then the other shout out i want to give is to legendary nhl broadcaster mike or as fans know him doc emrick who announced his retirement the other day he has called countless countless hockey games whether they be Stanley Cup final games, Stanley Cup playoff games, or even Olympic games, there's probably no more prominent voice in the sport or that the sport has ever seen. I read this crazy thing where in a uh, Olympic game between the United States and Canada, someone did the research and he used 72 different verbs to describe a pass while calling the game. I remember you telling me about that before, and that's even if you're not a big NHL fan, even if you're a casual fan, you should still know the name Doc. Oh, that's it's it's so iconic for for the sport of hockey. For sure. And uh, someone put it really perfectly that he had the ability to even in games that were blowouts, he had a way of making them exciting for the uh, listeners and the watchers. So uh, congratulations on his retirement. He's going to be sorely missed. I personally loved watching hockey games that were called by him. I would honestly tune into the Stanley Cup playoffs just because I knew he was calling games. So he's going to be sorely missed, but it's a well-deserved retirement. Yeah, good for, good for him to get to retirement and be able to spend it with his family. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess one other shout out, it's not so little, but we did not talk about it last week at all on the podcast. I realized after we put it out, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA finals. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't mention that at all. Congratulations to the little known up and coming player, LeBron James. Yep. Uh, remember that guy's name? You know, I think when all <laughs> is going to be huge, I think when all is said and done, uh, he's going to be a household name. It's just a stab in the dark, but <laughs> Uh, and then speaking of Los Angeles, that'll be a nice little segue into the first thing we want to talk about, and that is the World Series. And I say Los Angeles because the Dodgers 
are back in it for the third time in four years. And this time they are playing the Tampa Bay Rays, who I've said it before. I'll say it again. Thank you, Tampa Bay. You took out the Yankees and you made it a little sketchy, but you took out the Astros too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty proud of the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm, I'm not a Tampa Bay Rays fan, but I feel some affiliate pride for them because I'm a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. Um, they beat the Yankees, and that was a huge plus for me. And then they beat the Astros. As you guys know, we're not huge fans of the Astros here. Um, I will say, though, I will give some begrudging respect to the Astros and what they were able to accomplish this year on the heels of what they've done. And But it, it begs the question, if you had this kind of talent, why did you have to cheat? But let's not dive back into that whole rabbit hole again. Yeah, yeah. The Astros gave the Rays quite a scare coming back from down – Oh, three tie the series at three, three, the Rays had to win it in game seven, but uh, yeah, happy to see the Rays move on. Uh, This world series is really interesting to me. And Justin, you were talking about that Tampa Bay affiliation. You feel like you have, did you see uh, game one on Tuesday night at the beginning, Tom Brady actually narrated the intro. I did not see that. Actually. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Uh, And he also tweeted out that he's, definitely rooting for the Rays. So he's definitely gotten behind the uh, whole Tampa Bay thing after being down there. Yeah. That's one thing I really appreciate about Tom Brady since he's been down in Tampa is he's really, I don't want to say dove into the culture, but really since he's been down there, he seems like he's really taken to the city and really does like it down there and likes the sports, likes the people. And I think that's good. I think it's really important for a player to have a buy-in to that community in that city. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And then um, just speaking of Tampa Bay sports, if the Rays win this thing, that's two Tampa Bay sports that have won their championships in uh, 2020. And, and, you know, on the flip side of it, if the Dodgers win, that's two LA sports that have won their championships. So who are we going to call title town after this year? Well, Titletown Tampa, I think, sounds a lot better than Titletown L.A. True, and the Bucks are hosting the Super Bowl. I know. That's my dream of dreams this year, is the Buccaneers may get to the Super Bowl and win it in Tampa. They would be the first NFL team to ever exactly. yep, play in a Super Bowl in their home stadium. But anyway, back to the World Series real quick. Uh, I'm super intrigued by this series because – It's something I mentioned at the beginning when we did our playoff MLB playoff episode Uh, this year's playoffs and this year's world series, as it turned out is a matchup of your have and your have nots. And the Dodgers are a obviously perennial powerhouse. They have yet to get over the hump as of late. They have not won the world series actually since 1988, but they've been to it. Like I said earlier, this is their third time in the last four seasons and then you're talking about on the other side of it, the, the small market Tampa Bay Rays, who this is their second World Series trip ever in their franchise history. They yeah. won it. And uh, it's small market baseball versus big market baseball. I looked at some salary numbers that these two teams are putting out right now. And the discrepancy is unbelievable. Uh, right now, the Dodgers payroll for this season alone totals $107.9 million. Holy cow. Do you want to take a guess on where the Rays land? 60000 or 60000 60 million, excuse me. Uh, no, it's 
28.3 million. Holy cow. I was shooting for about that halfway mark. Nope. That's insanely low. So they have a lot of homegrown talent then. Yeah. The Rays, um, they've got a lot of young talent and, and the sad truth of it is, is they're not going to have a lot of these guys for a long time because they have proven to be so yeah, uh, talented that teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to eventually sweep them up. So I think the Rays know that this might be their only window to win with this group. And specifically yep. it's their pitchers who are th- that have gotten them this far for the most yeah. part. It, they're such a deep group, uh, just their starting lineup alone between Tyler Glass now, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Josh Fleming. Those guys are watching them pitch. It's just unbelievable that you can have a lineup that it just seems like every night you're putting out your best that's usually not the case for an mlb team and then their Mm -hmm. depth their bullpen is just it's probably the deepest bullpen in the league which is why they've gotten this far yeah it's it's i like that you bring that up i actually i i don't know why i neglected to watch it so long but it's on amazon again i think but i just watched moneyball for the first time this weekend Something that you've called, by the way, incorrectly, an underrated film. It won multiple awards. I know. I did call it underrated. I felt like it was underrated. I don't know why I felt that because <laughs> as you pointed out to me uh, pretty quickly, actually, yes, it did win multiple awards. It is one of the best baseball movies out there. I don't know why. Yeah, I it, it is fantastic. And that's I, it's something about baseball that I always always knew, but... I never thought of it from that team perspective. And one of the interesting things about Moneyball to me was it wasn't so much about people playing baseball. It was about managing a baseball team. Yeah. And that I think to me, even to me, especially I should say it, it shifted my perspective on all of it. And it makes me want the race to win even more. I don't particularly have anything against the Dodgers, I should say, but I want the race to win this thing, honestly. I'm right there with you. And a lot of it for me too, is the, uh, the small marketness of the race, because if a small market team like Tampa Bay can win the world series against a juggernaut, Mm -hmm. like the Dodgers who have been the best team in baseball, at least in the regular season over the last several seasons, um, it would show a lot of, prospects that hey you can make a career for yourself and win a championship in a small market team mm-hmm. or with a small market team and that's uh again I'm like you I don't have personally anything against the Dodgers either I that's where I think a lot of my disdain toward teams like the Yankees comes from though is because this isn't like the NFL where there's a set salary cap and you know you have to abide these teams can basically buy championships in baseball. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers, your blue bloods, basically it's nice. uh, Oh, go set. I was just going to say, it's nice to see a team like the Rays get this far. It's nice to see a team on the lower end of that, be able to compete this well. Yeah. And that's, I think it goes a lot for that team scouting that team's management to feel the competitive team when you're paying a hundred million less than your opponents. And that's, I, I can't abide by the Yankees seemingly philosophy of throw money at the problem until it's fixed or throw money at the championship till we get one. Yeah. Well, and Um, 
and sorry to cut you off just but oh as you're you, good as you just watched Moneyball I'm sure you remember the really powerful intro scene where mm-hmm. it's talking about the playoff series between Oakland and the Yankees and it says Oakland versus New York and then the next title screen flashes to their salary numbers versus each other and it's mm-hmm. such a huge difference it's unbelievable and yeah. that's kind of what you're seeing right now in the World Series yeah um and one of the other things not related to that that I really liked about Moneyball and does kind of relate to this us pushing for the Rays is it's hard to not be romantic about baseball I thought they said that a couple times in the movie I thought it fits so perfectly for this sport because it it is such a game of romanticism because it is so awesome to be able to root for these underdogs and watch them win and maybe that's one of the reasons we love the Mariners so much that someday when they do make it to that big dance, we'll have seen the bad years. We've seen them progress and grow up and, you know, become this playoff and contending team. Yeah. That's uh, something I hold on to every year is I just tell myself, man, when that day comes that they even play or win a playoff game, I'm going to have tears in my eyes like a baby. I mean, yeah. it's going to be huge. And, you know, back to this matchup and, we were talking about the amount the Dodgers are spending. It's another reason why I think almost all the pressure in this series is on Los Angeles and almost none of it is on Tampa Bay in terms of at least historical significance. You want to talk about the amount of money the Dodgers have spent. They went out and they got Mookie Betts from the Red Sox and they're paying him $365 million over 12 years. Oh my Lord. I mean, contracts and baseballs like that are just, you know, they're, some of the highest in all of American sports and this one, especially, but if you spend that kind of money and you don't get a championship out of it, that's a really bad look. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, this year alone, they're playing, paying their starting pitcher, Clayton Kershaw, $16 million. If you're spending that kind of money, there better be results. And for the Dodgers, there haven't been, you know, in terms of championships and rings and manager Dave Roberts, I think, you know, this might be a long shot, but if they don't win the World Series this year, I think he could be out. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's had chance after chance here, and if they can't get past uh, Tampa Bay, uh, I think that they're going to go in a different direction because of that. So I think most, if not all, of the pressure is on Los Angeles, also just because they're a favorite. The Rays are an underdog, and I think uh, I think that's a really good place to be if you're Tampa Bay. And time of recording this on Wednesday night uh game one has already happened the Dodgers have won but game two right now the Rays are up one nothing so Mm -hmm. yeah it's gonna be a good series I'm excited to see uh what happens I really don't have a problem with either team though whoever wins Uh, I was actually saying it last night to your brother Justin I said this is the first World Series I can remember in quite a while that I haven't actually cared who won with the Astros being in it the last you know recently i've wanted them to lose obviously and yeah yeah it's nice to just have a series where i can just watch baseball and not really care who wins Mm -hmm. that is that is something nice and that's one of my favorite things about you know series or games where i have no tie-in is i can just watch the sport to enjoy the sport i don't have that you know back of my mind like, oh my gosh, is my team going to win this stress? Yeah. You know? 
Yeah, it's, I, I'm not subconsciously trying to figure out, okay, well, if we lose this game or we're playing badly, what do we have to do to get back in it? What do we have to do to win? Or if we lose this, are we out of the playoff hunt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because no. all, all those gnarly little things that you think about as a sports fan, you just don't like to admit you think about them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there is a uh, certain level of stress that comes with watching your team play in a playoff game or series or uh super bowl or whatever it may be you know i know that i mean it's still fun to watch your team in those positions but it's it comes with a certain level of uh, mental anguish yep i don't know about you but i think i've i've beaten the world series to death here yeah Uh, you know if we've got nothing else to say about that we might as well transition into our next topic yeah let's talk some football um there was a decent amount that happened this past week that that transpired and i i for one would like to talk about and i'm gonna i think i'm gonna take this and uh start off let's talk about the big news down in miami well a couple big pieces of news now i should say yeah the first one being Tua Tungva. i had practiced this all day <laughs> Tua tunga vialoa um and his first career nfl start i think that's monumentous yeah or being named the starter after well that's that's the second part of the news yeah Yeah, making his appearance last week against the jets yeah yeah and that's did you watch that first that first uh start he had oh well he didn't start last week well yeah excuse me it's his first um game day appearance i did not i saw the highlights later i didn't watch it when it happened um Mm -hmm. They put him in pretty late, right? That yeah, the the Dolphins were up by a significant amount of points, and in the fourth, uh, they put Tua in, and he let a you know it was a nice little drive to I think about the thirty five or forty, and then they weren't able to convert, and they punted it away. Yeah, I was I was happy for him to get some game time. I know I saw the thing uh, that someone posted that after the game he went in full uniform still and just sat out on the 15 yard line and just kind of soaked it all in. Yep. And he got to play in his first NFL game, which uh, is pretty cool, you know. Yeah. Um, and very then, very big part of his his blossoming NFL career. Yeah, and then now, uh, kind of like we alluded to a second ago, he's been named Miami starter. Yeah, and this is something I have mixed feelings about, honestly. Um, on one hand, I do think it's, you know, the obvious choice because that's why the Dolphins drafted him to be the quarterback of the future. But I, I question what um, Brian Flores and the Dolphins are thinking right now because they're doing fairly well right now. I believe they're 3-3, three and three, correct? Yeah, they're up to 3-3 three and three now. Yeah, they're three and three, and that's been led by uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, you know they're doing well. He's playing well. Um, you know, and not only are they three and three, but they were close in a lot of their other games. You know, against Seattle, they yeah. they gave us a real scare. So, yeah, they are playing really well right now. So I I kind of wonder why why Flores would drop the hot hand, so to speak, and go go then to the rookie who has gotten one drive under his belt i i i like tua and you know he's obviously a big name for them and obviously a big part of their future but i almost wonder if they're not pushing it too quickly 
Yeah, I uh, I completely agree with you. Honestly, I didn't like it. If I'm, I, if I'm, I agree. You know, I I'm. It's nothing against Tua, but Fitzpatrick was playing really well, and unless they saw something in practice and behind the scenes that we as fans don't see. I, I don't know why they're doing this, honestly, with one drive or whatever little football it is he has under his belt, like you said. And I feel for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he came out on Wednesday and said that this broke his heart. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, I've uh, something to the effect of, he said, I've been benched in many ways before, but he said, this and Buffalo were really the only two times I really was fully committed 100% into my team. And I felt like this was my team and I it just broke his heart. And it's, I feel so bad for the guy because he didn't do anything to deserve benching. And yes, I agree with you that they did go after Tua in the draft because that this was going to be their guy of the future. But I think that this was a little bit too soon. And, you know, everybody makes jokes in the, the pokes at Fitzpatrick, you know, calling him Fitzception because, you know, he comes in, Starting quarterback gets hurt. He plays really well, earns starting job, then plays really poorly. But at the end of the day, and this was a Facebook post, I think both of us got tagged in. He has played for a lot of teams and he he does play well, you know, from time to time. There's a reason he hasn't been a full-time starter because he does have slumps where he plays poorly. Um, But the Facebook post I was alluding to was, He's had such a long and storied career at this point that there's some some people, and I don't want to say a lot of some people because I don't think it's a lot, saying he might deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't want to go that far, but you know he is someone that I think does have a spot in football story. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, and I'm not gonna even say that he is upset because of Tua getting the job. I think he's just upset that he's losing it. You yeah. saw in that game, uh, if you watched it, that when Tua went in. To oh, take he was his ecstatic. First, oh, he was probably the most excited guy there. You know, <laughs> that's Ryan Fitzpatrick is such a charismatic and I, from everything I've seen, and he was on the Buccaneers. So I've seen quite a bit of him. He is such a charismatic and good teammate. You know, he was excited for Tua to come in. He, um, you know, he truly does care about his team. And, you know, to feel like he's been giving his shot again. And like like I've said, he has been playing well. He, I was looking earlier, he was uh, ranked seventh overall uh, of, of quarterback ranking this season so far, which is not bad. There's more than seven teams in the NFL. Yeah. Oh, that's in the top third. But I don't know. I have a... I have a hard time with this and I have a really soft spot in my heart for Ryan Fitzpatrick because I, I did, I truly, and I mean, I truly loved watching him play for the Buccaneers and I wish it had been under better circumstances. Uh, the two years that he was with us was kind of, kind of tough as a Bucks fan. Um, Cause there was all the quarterback controversy and Jameis Winston and everything that came with him. But when Fitzpatrick was in, he kind of led us on a little bit of a uh, Cinderella streak. But he he went into the Superdome and um, was just throwing bombs to Deshaun Jackson. 
when Deshaun Jackson for that weird little time played for us. <laughs> um, and, you know, he was just out there having a good time. And they, I think that's part of Ryan Fitzpatrick's mystery that if you pull it back when he's out there and I don't, I feel like when he's, when he's out there on a start, he's, he's out there just playing fun football. He's just there to have a good time. And then if he does get that starting job that I think he starts to overthink it himself and overthink it and kind of have a Kirk cousins issue. Um, And then now that he's had this time with the dolphins and he felt commit that they were committed to him and he was committed to them as well. He was able to just go out there and play fun football. And when he's having fun, I think there's no, there's not as much stress and he's just playing football. Yeah. He's uh, you know, he's kind of established himself as the NFL's uh, goofy fun guy. And I'm not trying to say that to take away from his talent because he's obviously a starting caliber Mm -hmm. quarterback in the league, but he's a, you know, he's a fan favorite. Uh, my uncle's a huge Dolphins fan. I, I'd be really curious to hear his thoughts on this because I know he was super excited about Tua when they got him in the draft, but he loves Fitzpatrick, you know, loves, loves, loves him. So this has got to be um, bittersweet, I think, for the Dolphins fans and the organization. Uh, I don't think Tua is necessarily the wrong decision. I just think the timing was not good. Um, and I wonder if part of their decision was based on the fact that they've seen Joe Burrow and the Bengals starting their, or Joe Burrow starting and the Bengals starting their their rookie quarterback and are are worried that they're not giving them that in-game experience or something along those lines. Yeah, I, I don't know. It could be something along those lines. You know, like you said, you got Burrow going in Cincinnati. You got Herbert going with the Chargers. Yeah. You know, you almost wonder if they did feel a little bit like they were lagging behind in that department. And like I said, maybe there was something in practice that they've seen that they really liked, that they felt that this was the time. Maybe more will come out about this as we move on. But I, my initial reaction to this story was uh, I disagree. To it just last year came off a big injury. Yeah. Um, he, he stopped his college career short because of that and hasn't played in a game until this, this past weekend. So I, I am worried that they're potentially rushing him back to the field. I almost like the idea of him kind of, you know, playing back up to Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of in a high school slash college way where when they're up, or when it's more garbage time, they put them in and let them get acclimated to the NFL instead of, you know, sending him in head first into the deep end. Well, and, you know, the Dolphins are going into their bye week now, and I guess we'll see because his first game coming out of that bye week is going to be against the Rams. And the Rams have been pretty, pretty sturdy this year. It was, it's, it's a big story, obviously. And, uh, it's kind of segues a little bit into what I want to talk about next, just because of the team, the Dolphins stumped uh, the Jets, who we've <laughs> not shied away from talking about uh, on this show before. And we've, at least I've got more to say about them and uh, what it looks like for them moving forward. And more specifically, what it could look like for the probable number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence. Let's talk about the Jets. So the Jets are now 0-5. They're the only winless team left in the NFL after the Falcons won and the Giants won. 
And this is probably one of the worst teams I have seen in a long, long time. I really don't think that they're going to win a game this year, you know? Yeah, you know, it wasn't so long ago that we saw the 0-16 Browns. But even then, I feel like the 0-16 Browns were a better team than this Jets team. Yeah, so if the Jets continue on this trajectory, they're going to get the number one overall pick. And as we said a minute ago, that number one overall pick right now is picked by many to be Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unbelievable young man, uh, crazy stats he's put up in college. Just this last weekend, Clemson beat Georgia Tech 73-7. to So he's at the top of his game and probably the best college team in the country right now. But there's been some talk about this and nothing official, of course. It's uh, all kind of speculation and just hearsay. But if this ends up going chalk, where the Jets get the number one pick. I'm curious at what the possibility that Trevor Lawrence opts to stay in college for another season is. And it would not be unheard of to do. Mm -hmm. And it would not be unheard of to do because of these New York Jets, actually. So back in 1996, I'll take you on a little history lesson here. That's the year that my brother was born. Yes, it is. It was also (laughs) the year that the Jets had the number one overall pick in the draft. They used that pick to select a guy you probably have heard of being a Bucks fan, Keyshawn Johnson. Yes, I have heard of him. Yeah, the Jets selected him out of USC. And most of the time when you get the number one overall pick in the draft, you're supposed to theoretically do a little better than you did the year before. You'd agree, right? Yes, generally. Uh, so the Jets... The year that they, in 1995, they went three and 13. And so in the 96 draft, they had the number one overall pick, got Keyshawn Johnson. Do you want to know what their record was in 96? I would love to know. It was one in 15. Ooh, boy. They did worse. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson stayed with the team for four years. He only went to the playoffs with them once, and he was out the door by 1999. That's the only time on record the Jets have made a number one overall selection, but the next year is the one that's really interesting. The 1997 draft, they earned the number one selection again after finishing 1-15. and They eventually traded it to the Rams, but before they traded it to the Rams, there was a certain quarterback by the name of Peyton Manning out of Tennessee who was widely picked by many to be the number one overall selection in '97. kind of last minute Peyton Manning held a press conference and announced that he was going to stay at Tennessee for one more year he never came out and flat out said that it was because uh, he didn't want to go to the Jets Mm -hmm. but there was kind of a lot of speculation about that and then seeing what happened with Eli uh, several years later with the Chargers you wonder if it wasn't something that kind of ran in the family but (laughs) So so Manning went back to Tennessee in 97 to finish out his college career there. And many could argue he made the right decision for several reasons, because in 1997, the Jets went nine and seven, a significant improvement granted, 
from one and 15, but they finished third in the AFC East and didn't make the playoffs. The Tennessee volunteers in college went 11 and two. They won the sec championship and they played in the orange bowl with Peyton Manning. So Hmm. he saw significant more success, albeit at the college level by opting to stay in school one more year. And then, well, and that just, that increases his draft stock with, I would assume. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a risk. If you stay, you know, you obviously risk injury, you risk mm-hmm. a lot of things, but it didn't hurt him. Obviously he was picked number one, the next season in the 98 draft by the Colts. And we yes. all know how that turned out. So Lawrence could be facing a very similar thing uh, come this off season. He is, like I said earlier, having a tremendous amount of success in college right now. I think if this personally, if this came down to it, I don't see why he wouldn't stay at Clemson for another year. He's already played in two national championships for them, winning one. He's playing under, I would say, one of the best college coaches the game has seen in a long, long time in Dabo Sweeney. His career record at Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, is 135 wins and 31 losses. And that's including bowl games and postseason games. So, you know, Trevor Lawrence seems like he's a smart young man. Um, obviously, he's got an incredible football IQ. And I wonder if he's not looking at the situation with Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold was taken, what, it was only three years ago now, right? Yeah, he was. And he uh, was, I can't remember. He was a top five pick, I believe. Yeah, I think top, it was third or fourth, right? Yeah, I can't remember for sure, but definitely top, definitely top 10. But, the Jets since drafting Darnold have not had crazy good success, but they also haven't put anything around Darnold no. to help him succeed. It's it's baffling to me that the Jets are like, well, the Sam Darnold guy was our big Messiah. future quarterback. We're not going to support him, and he hasn't got us to the playoffs, so we're going to dump him like yesterday's yeah. meet and – pick up the new hotness yeah well and the jets do not have a good track record with quarterbacks yeah and if you want to know some crazy crazy bad stats with the jets and quarterbacks over the last 20 years since the turn of the century uh do you know how many quarterbacks they've had start a game for them oh i saw the statistic somewhere and i can't remember but it's a it's not a good number. No, over the last 20 years, since 2000, the Jets have had 18 different quarterbacks make a start for them. Of the main ones, I guess you could say, the ones that started for the majority of the season, uh, even those guys never played for the Jets for more than f- four seasons except Chad Pennington. Who is obviously a household name. It, it, since 2009, you had Mark Sanchez. Mm-hmm who went four seasons. You had Geno Smith that went two. You had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we talked about earlier, who went two. You had Josh McCown, who went one. And now you have Sam Darnold, who's a little bit into his third season. Uh, The Jets have a high turnover rate at quarterback. And this is not, I would argue, entirely a coaching issue. Now, I'll get to Adam Gase in a second because he comes with his own set of issues. But this is an an organizational problem because the Jets have had six head coaches since 2000, that same time span we're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's management. It's all the way at the top. It's ownership. They are one of the most laughable franchises in sports right now. And you can't pin all of it on the coach. Now this coach 
is a very special case. Uh, Adam Gase is probably one of the worst NFL head coaches I've seen in a long time. Uh, just the blatant lack of uh, awareness and concern for the f- dumpster fire that's going on around him. This is the man that let uh, Le'Veon Bell walk. Uh, didn't even get trade value didn't, out of didn't him. Didn't let him walk. He forced him out. Yeah, forced him out. That's a better way to put it. He misused him. He you know, pretty much vocally did not like him. And he basically kind of ignored the fact that he was there. And, and like you said, yeah, forced him out. And yet the Jets are still paying him a lot of money. They're going to take a dead yeah. salary cap hit of $15 million this year. And they're going to take another $4 million hit next year because of the money they still owe him. Uh, they, this is the team that also traded away Jamal Adams to Seattle this off season. And it, they just, they're a total, like I said, dumpster fire. It's, it's yeah. so, if I'm Trevor Lawrence and I'm looking at this and I'm looking at their track record with quarterbacks and with any sort of talent, really, uh, why would I want to go there and have my career derailed before it really even starts? You know, I, I like I said, if I was him, I would think long and hard about returning to Clemson where he could probably compete for another national championship you know they're picked to win it again this year but if he comes back I don't see why they wouldn't be picked to win it again next year he could have one of the best college careers we've ever seen when all is said and done and we've just I've just seen the Jets do this too many times and I don't get me wrong I really like Sam Darnold I like him I liked him coming out of college coming out of USC and I feel so badly for the situation he's been put in in New York so I think Trevor Lawrence will have a big decision to make if, if this comes down to this. Now, obviously there's a lot of season left in both college and the NFL. A lot can change between now and then, but I, I certainly would be hesitant about joining this organization. Now, going back to Adam Gase, I'm sure they're going to fire him, whether it be by the end of this season or at least the off season. I, I would, be flabbergasted if he was their head coach in 2021 but uh, so I don't think he'd have to worry about Adam Gase but to start with a brand new coach and a brand new system and it just seems like a nightmare they've been perennially as you've put it so eloquently a dumpster fire the for a long time and I mean even going back to when Bill Belichick was going to be their their head coach which lasted all of what a day yeah, like a day or two. There, Belichick is not a stupid man. I, I wonder if the reason that tenure was so short is he got there and saw the writing on the wall and was like, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. And just peaced out. And I don't know. It's. I think you're right, though. It is an entire organizational issue. And ownership, management, coaching. Well, and the reason they've had coaches that haven't panned out like Adam Gase is because it's an organizational issue. If you're somebody at the top with these issues, you're going to hire somebody probably that has the same issues, you know, to, to be your coach or to be your GM or to whatever it is. The jets are a laughingstock. And the last time they were even remotely competitive was when Rex Ryan was their head coach with Mark Sanchez. And they went to -to back-to-back AFC championship games. By and large, though, this franchise is a doormat. So, yeah, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm thinking long and hard 
at season end if the Jets have the number one pick. And I wouldn't be shocked if he goes back to Clemson for one more season. Well, and I feel, as you were saying too, awful for Sam Darnold because I feel like his tenure with the Jets has potentially ruined his chances with other teams. They're going to look at him and be like, well, he's almost an even quarterback for touchdowns and interceptions. That's not that good. I don't think we can take a chance on him to start in our organization. And he'll end up being, you know, potentially a perennial backup or maybe even get something like the Josh Rosen treatment where he's basically just washed out more or less without necessarily getting his chance. You know, yeah, he's got these years in New York, but how much of a chance was that really? No. What what offensive weapons has he really had? You know, they had Le'Veon Bell, but he was misused so poorly. The thing that bothers me about that too, Jared, I got to say, is Adam Gase was asked about how about his misuse of Le'Veon Bell saying, you know, asked about why would you use a running back that's so successful when you give him time and space to work? Why would you send him up the gut? And he's like, this misuse is, the Le'Veon Bell's misuse was irrelevant. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I said that he doesn't care. Outside of that, they haven't had a lot of offensive talent and, you know, their their key pieces that they do get, they just are trading them away. Mm-hmm. They they traded, or they let Le'Veon go. They traded away Adams, like you said, and uh, you know, I I feel like this is honestly just left Darnold in the lurch, and I think it's kind of or I don't want to say ruined, but I think it's hurt his development as a young quarterback. Oh, I definitely. I don't think many people would argue with you there, and like you said, you just hope the next team that looks at him, because I think his days with the Jets are numbered, that they do understand the situation he was put in and how it hindered his development and how it hindered his growth as a young quarterback and how it hindered his psyche, probably, quite frankly. Um, Yeah, so it's a bad place for careers. It's a bad place specifically for quarterback careers, and I've been thinking about it. Maybe the reason the Jets haven't fired Adam Gase is because they know that if they keep him there, they're just going to be so bad that they're guaranteed the number one pick. They have a history of being bad. Maybe they're just using Adam Gase as their their scapegoat for the time being so they don't have to address those deeper issues. Yeah. Yeah. Ownership doesn't like to look at themselves in the mirror very much. But that's about all I have to say about the Jets. I want to get that <laughs> gangrene out of my mouth. Yeah. And uh, let's let's talk. Let's move on to your segment, upset and upsetting games. Yes. Let's talk about an upset game. I know what you want to talk about. Take it away. Yes. So my upset game of the week is the Buccaneers Green Bay Packers game. You know, going into this, even I was like, ah, man, this is going to be a tough one for us to win. And I even picked Green Bay because they had been on such a roll. The Buccaneers obviously showed what happens to people that doubt their prowess. I wasn't able to watch the first half of the game, but going back and watching that, the back-to-back interceptions, of course, one going for a pick six on Aaron Rodgers, clearly just got the momentum rolling, and the Buccaneers and Tom Brady never let off the gas pedal. I picked up after after they came back from halftime, and it was amazing Buccaneers football to watch. Our defense was just so on point for this game. It was fantastic. They really were. You know, your defense really impressed me. 
just the fact that you were able to, this was my upset game too, by the way, just the fact that you were able to do that to a team that had been playing the caliber the Packers have been playing to, you guys put up the most points, most interceptions, and had the most sacks on Green Bay this season so far and held Rodgers to his lowest QB uh, rating of the season. And you held them to under 100 yards rushing. I think you guys only allowed 94 which is only the second time that's happened to the Packers this season. Also Mm -hmm. Uh, that was just to be able to shut them down completely in all facets of the game, the way you guys did uh, it shows that Arians game planned well, that uh, you guys had a really good week of practice Mm -hmm. that you did everything right in preparation for this game. And this is a win for you guys. Now that looking ahead in the season could have huge implications as far as NFC playoff picture goes, you know, as far as seating is concerned. And if the NFL chooses to not go the route of the bubble, it could change home field advantage for somebody. It was crazy. No one, no one believed in the Buccaneers, especially after the week before losing to the bears in that manner. That was, that was just heartbreaking. I'd say it's one of the, it's the good side of having Tom Brady on your team is he is not going to let, subpar play go and you know he was there and he was cussing out his linemen he was you know getting on his receivers for and everybody on that offense for any little mistake including himself that's one thing you know everybody points to uh pouting tom that it's a pretty famous picture of him just sitting and looking like he's pouting but I think that comes back to him being very critical of himself and his teammates. Yeah. No, and so, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say Brady's a winner. I mean, you know, he, like you said, he's not going to let subpar average play fly. It's one of the underspoken things about him is he is a leader and he holds people to a certain expectation that when you're playing with someone of Tom Brady's caliber, you feel obligated to meet and after that Chicago game we were not meeting that and I think it really showed this this past weekend you know it was our I I listening to the statistics it was only our second game in team history where we had zero penalties on us oh wow that was crazy we played clean football and we played good football it was a it was a good game to watch. Um, yeah. And yeah, our defense just ran all over the Packers O line. I, I felt bad for Tom or uh, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was a solid all around uh, team win. It was impressive. It, like you said too, is a statement win. And talking about how the Bears game kind of woke you guys up to things. On the flip side of it, now I think this game. I feel really bad for Houston because they play Green Bay next week. And I think Green Bay is just going to thrash them. Yep. They're going to get the return of angry Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yep. You know, a team needs, uh, I feel like every team needs a loss like that though. It really mm-hmm. kind of cements everything in the season together. It wakes you up to show you that you're not invincible, that you can't go around uh, thinking you are all season, even though the Packers kind of looked to be that way up until this point. So yeah, that was a big time win, big time implications in the NFC as a whole. And speaking of the NFC, if you're ready, I'd like to get to my upsetting game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My upsetting game was Dallas 
on Monday night. I'm I'm glad you said that because it's my upsetting game as well. Man, this is why we did a podcast together because we are always on the same <laughs> wavelength. Um, Dallas, I really don't know what to say other than your defense is atrocious. Uh, but you know that, I'm sure, if you've watched even a quarter of Cowboys football this year. If, if this was your way of quote-unquote, which I heard from a lot of people, uh, a lot of fans, playing for Dak, you should be ashamed of yourselves mm-hmm. that that was the product you put out on Monday Night Football. Um, and, and I'm not taking away anything from the Cardinals. I think they're a really good team this year. But my God, Cowboys, that was pathetic. There's only been one game this season that Dallas has held their opponent to under 34 points. And that was a 20 point still loss to the Rams. They gave up 38 to the Cardinals. I just honestly, Cowboys fans, I don't know what you're feeling right now. You should be feeling deep shame, but what you're probably feeling is some misplaced sense of pride that you're still somehow atop of the NFC East Mm -hmm. at two and four. The NFC East is so bad this year that I think if somebody came up, if the devil himself came up to Mike McCarthy and said, I can guarantee you a seven and nine record right now, or you can take your chance and play out the rest of the season. I think in a heartbeat, he takes that seven and nine record because I bet (laughs) you that wins it. I'm not even being tongue in cheek here. I'm serious. I think that whoever wins the NFC East you know, everyone talks about 2020 being the year of the asterisk in sports. Whoever wins the NFC East should get a big asterisk going into the playoffs because, yes, you were a playoff team on paper only. The Cowboys are – and then you've – I don't know if you've seen these reports, Justin, where there's been some players, unnamed players, that came out this week and have just criticized the coaching staff to no end. They said that they feel like the coaching staff has – not done their jobs well, have not prepared for games well, and hmm, I have not seen were this. quoted saying that they have done a horrible job. Uh, that's not good to have in your locker room. No. <laughs> it's a mess in Dallas, but fortunately for Dallas, it's also a mess in New York and Washington and Philadelphia. I feel like a lot of Cowboys fans, too, are going to be clinging to the fact that Dak Prescott did get injured, and they're like, well, yeah, once Dak got injured, we couldn't really expect to do that good this season. Dak was playing good football, but there's more to a football team than the quarterback. There's more to the Cowboys than Dak Prescott. And even if Dak was playing, you guys still wouldn't be finishing that well. I mean, last year, the Cowboys had, I believe it was the number one offense in football. And you guys still couldn't win your division. You know, it's just a laughing stock down there in Dallas. Well, yeah, and like I totally agree with you. They're gonna Cowboys fans are gonna use Dak being injured now as the excuse. Where in reality, if anyone watched that uh, Monday night game, Andy Dalton threw two interceptions. Ezekiel Elliott fumbled twice. It's just it's a myriad of uh, mistakes and errors down in Dallas right now, and I just you know they're. They looked like the Jets put on different uniforms and played again on Monday night. That's a mighty big insult. Yeah, I meant every word of it, too. I don't blame you. I don't really have anything else to say about Dallas. Um, I would like to talk about the Cardinals because the Cardinals defense played very well. 
uh, despite the fact that they were going against Dallas, Buda Baker got named as a captain of the defense. I've talked about him before on this podcast. I really like him, and I, I am very happy for him. Yeah, no, the Cardinals look scary, and that's who Seattle has to play uh, this weekend, and I'm nervous about it. Uh, it's, yeah, because of that game on Monday night, they really came out uh, and they put the doubters to bed pretty early. Yeah, it should be an interesting game with Seattle. Yeah. Um, now, I know we call this segment upset and upsetting games, but I kind of want to buck your system a little bit. And I want to have a, I don't know what I'd call it, a, a happy game, a game that duly impressed me. Yeah. Uh, and more specifically, a team and a coach that duly impressed me. I want to talk a little bit about the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. I want to say they played well this past week. I want to say, first off, I think we owe the Titans a little bit of an apology. We were very harsh on them a couple weeks ago about the whole COVID situation. The NFL mm. investigation came to a close and found that the Titans really didn't break protocol. I, I mean, they said there were some instances of players in the facility not wearing masks when they should have been but they said that was about it Hmm. they didn't find any evidence of an illegal practice so i i don't know entirely what that was all about uh kind of differing storylines as far as that concerned but that's not what i want to talk about right now anyway i want to talk about their win over the houston texans and i want to talk specifically about the genius that is mike vrabel okay have you seen anything about this intentional penalty he uh, may have done to save the game for the Titans. I have not. And he never uh, fessed up to this after the game. He wouldn't confirm or deny it, but many people think that he uh, knew exactly what he was doing. It was late in the game. The Texans had the ball. I think they had a one point lead or maybe it was tied or something. And it was second and one. And the Titans got a penalty on the play for 12 men on defense. The penalty of course gave Houston the first down, but it also stopped the clock. A lot of people think that Vrabel did that on purpose, knowing it would stop the clock, knowing that Houston was probably going to convert that second and short anyway, and knowing that they were probably going to get a touchdown based on the way the game was going at that point anyway. So he felt like the down and distance was not nearly as important as the time. So by stopping the clock with that penalty, it saved Tennessee about 40 seconds of game clock without having to use a timeout. As it turns out later in the game, Tennessee scores the game tying touchdown with four seconds left. So those 40 seconds proved to be huge. And then obviously they go on and win the game in overtime. Mm -hmm. Now, this is not something that's completely unheard of for Mike Vrabel. If you'll remember that playoff game, that wild card game against new England last year, Mike Vrabel found a loophole in the NFL rule book when Tennessee was clinging on to a tight lead against the Patriots, where he got two delay of game penalties. I believe it was back to back on a punt because yes, it pushed him back five yards, but it kept the clock running. So he was able to burn an extra like minute 30 off the clock just by doing that. Yeah, he he beat Belichick at his own game, bending the NFL's rules. Yeah, well, and he's a he's kind of a coaching student of Belichick. He came off the Belichick coaching tree, so I think he learned it from the master. But and honestly, that, he is probably the most successful of Belichick's uh coaching prodigies. True. 
True. Uh, that was it's a, certainly not Matt Patricia. I was just going to say that was a shot at you, Matt Patricia. Yes, it was. But <laughs> uh, Vrabel, yeah, he after the game, they asked him about this. And they said, did you do that on purpose and send a, a 12th man into the defensive huddle on purpose? And he said, all he said was, he said, we have to be better at penalties. So he didn't confirm or deny it, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's what he did. And if that's the case, that's a uh, genius. Yeah. I love stuff like that. So good on Mike Vrabel, good on the Titans uh, five and oh, for the first time since 2008, I believe. Yeah. Tennessee is hey. having a really good start to their year. They are having a darn good start. Um, and honestly, I feel like it's kind of a quiet start, all things considered, because, you know, they're doing well. But I feel like, you know, we haven't been talking about them because of that. We've been talking about them because of the uh, COVID stuff and all that. To be able but, to uh, ignore those distractions and still be undefeated at this juncture in the season when only three teams are. Yeah. And that's, I'm really looking forward to their game against the the Steelers who again very I feel like quietly are also undefeated yep yep one of the other undefeated teams now the third one is your boys but uh yeah after this Titan Steelers game on Sunday you know obviously someone has to well they don't have to lose I guess ask the Eagles but uh oh yikes yikes but uh yeah it's uh, that's going to be a really good game. I'm excited for that game too. That's actually the makeup game from the COVID situation that they had to push back. Yeah. It's going to be uh, exciting Matt and talk about games that have big playoff implications down the road. That's going to be one in the AFC, I think. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah. I'm just looking at the uh, Titans. Um, some of their player stats right now. I was curious to see how Ryan Tannehill was doing. Cause I, uh, Obviously, everybody talks about Derrick Henry, who is arguably the best running back in the game right now. I'll tell you right now, he's my fantasy team's MVP. Shocker. <laughs> um, but Ryan Tannehill's had 13 passing touchdowns so far this year. Yeah. And only two interceptions. That's nothing to nothing to sneeze at. And I think, honestly, when you have such a potent running game like the Titans have with Derrick Henry, that's okay to have, you know, a quarterback that – isn't as you know uh as much of a cannon like Aaron Rodgers is yeah no I mean they're just as a team right now they're playing uh extremely well and that's you know they could they could end up winning the AFC South you know Houston's <laughs> faltering the Jags are having a mess of a season and the Colts are you know the Colts had to make a 21 point comeback to beat Cincinnati you know the Titans could very easily be their division champs this year which would be cool for yeah. them but I, I I can definitely see it happening. That's for sure. Yeah. So excited to see what they do for the remainder um, of the season. I I am happy that the Buccaneers do not have to play them this year. Um. Although I will say the Buccaneers have stopped great running backs before in Christian McCaffrey. I would be interested to see how we would match up and our, our defensive scheme would match up against Derrick Henry. Yeah, that would be man with the way he's playing right now. Though I, I, I wouldn't want to play him, even if I had a good defense. Yeah, I know. Uh, he he eats uh, he eats defensive backs for breakfast, as I think what people have said before. He sure does. But uh, I think we're running out of time here. I think we've got a I little bit. We we've got a little bit of time left to give any final thoughts about the NFL. Uh, World Series, basically anything 
you know, I think, um, honestly, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy right now as a football fan that first of all, we have football still. I feel like that keeps getting thrown up in the air with all these COVID scares, but you know, as a Buccaneers fan, we're, we're doing, we're doing well. I, we've had a couple of losses, but you know, we're, we're rolling. Tom Brady seems like he's starting to gel with the team and I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited too. As a Seahawks fan, obviously being five and O is great. Uh, I read where Pete Carroll said that he thinks that the team has had the best bi-week practice sessions that they've had since he's been a coach in Seattle, which is really encouraging to hear. We're going to need all the help we can get as we kind of get ready to play a big meaty conference part of our schedule starting with Arizona this week. I'm excited too, though. Uh, both of our teams are looking up right now. Uh, who knows? We might meet in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be, oh boy, that'd be scary. We're going to have to do a special episode for you guys if the Seahawks and Bucks meet in the playoffs. I don't know what we'll do yet, but we'll... It would definitely need to be something beforehand. I'm going to say that. Yeah, no, afterwards, it's going to be... Uh, one of us will be happy. One of us will be as the kids say, upsetty spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's looking good for both of our teams. It's looking, it's exciting that we have football. Like you said, I'm being the baseball fan. I'm excited about the world series going on right now. It's a good time to be a sports fan. Yep. That is true. All right. Well, if you've got nothing else sir i've got nothing else all right well i think that will wrap it for us thank you all again for listening and tuning in to another episode of the expansion buddies podcast once again apologies that we didn't have a guest this week and you had to talk to the two uh co-hosts of the show or listen to you didn't talk maybe you talked to us i don't know <laughs> if you're talking to us during the podcast let us know what you're saying yeah yeah we'd love to hear it uh you reach out to us on twitter at the expansion bu1 you can find us on itunes spotify google podcast we publish every thursday morning we appreciate you guys listening still waiting to hear from that new zealand listener haven't heard from you yet but we yep. know you're out there yep spotify tells us you're there <laughs> not that we're stalking you or anything we're not we promise yeah, but uh, anyway, thanks again for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you streaming us, following us on Twitter, all of the great things you guys do. And we will be back for you next Thursday. From us here at the Expansion Buddies, never forget. Party like it's 1976.